Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Bull markets here. And markets looking good. Yeah. And to the people that find value in my opinion and my quote unquote predictions or where I forecast, I believe that we should have, I may be shooting a little low. I'm not going to adjust my forecast. I still think 4,400 is fine. And I'd rather be 4,400 and it ends at 4,500. And we can laugh all the way to the bank on that. But I still think that there's room to go up in the market. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. My co-host, Mr. Breedwell. What's up, y'all? Your host, Maddie A. We are back from Mexico. Back. Man, a what a trip. A little bit darker, a little bit smarter, Lots a little of t- bit heavier. Oh, I'm, yeah, I would say I'm definitely a little fluffier. That's for dang sure. But it was well worth it. Mm-hmm. We are going to come back with a vengeance. We got a lot of good stuff to cover in today's episode yes, on sir. all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance. Lots of updates, lots of data, lots of reports that are coming out. Of course, we got some inflation data that just got reported today. We got bull versus bear conversations with mm-hmm. data to back it up. Some updates on the dollar strength or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Is it a good or a bad thing? that we're starting to see some decline with the strength of the dollar, at least worldwide. Fed rates, are they going to pause? Are they going to hike? Are they going to cut? We're going to get Mr. Breedwell's predictions on that. First and foremost, Denver Nuggets. Yeah, yeah that was... Official a, champions. That was a schmackin' too. You know, in the first quarter, it was close. Shout out to my dad... Because he Pops. almost won fifty grand last night. <laughs> almost, come on, almost doesn't count. Yeah, because all he said that he had the the Arlen. game, the score, except the Denver Nuggets. I think their score ended in a nine, right? And I don't know. He had to be. He had to have the last number of the score flip. He had like Denver Nuggets ending in nine, and he ending in four, and it was Denver Nuggets ending Damn, in four. He would have been nice. So I was like, you know, Dad, good. For, that was a that was a. Well, um, 
But shout out to the Denver Nuggets because they were like that was man, they were dominant Joe, the whole series he was, or the whole uh, playoffs. How do you say his last name? Yo, is it Jokic? Jokic. He was very uh, he was very sportsmanlike after he shook off. Oh yeah, hands. he's super humble. I love yeah. I love the Joker. He's I'm watching him move though. After you showed me that one video of the kid doing it, and then uh-huh. I watched him, I was like, he does move like that, right? He does move like that. Sorry. Well, for those of you that are new to the show, welcome. We've got some great updates for you guys. And of course, don't forget to take advantage of all the things that we have available for our listeners, our Millionaire Mindcast community at millionairemindcast.com. We got planners, calculators, network trackers, all kinds of great stuff for you guys to help you sharpen your financial fitness. And you can check that out on the website. Also, don't forget to take advantage of the free financial x-ray from Ryan and his amazing team by texting the word x-ray to 844 447-1555. 447-1555. And for all my credit investors looking mm. for passive income and investment opportunities, different syndications and funds or things that I invest in, you are more than welcome to get on my deals list if you're an accredited investor by texting the word deals to 844-447-1555. All right. So before we jump into all the economic stuff that's going on today, yes, the big news oh. that everybody is, you know, at least right. all mainstream media, which is our... Uh, See if we're thinking about the same thing. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Donald J. Trump has pled mm-hmm. not guilty yep. to all 37 federal charges. Shocker. For the first time in U.S. history, a former president will appear in federal court to face criminal charges. Donald Trump has been released, though, without any conditions as he is reportedly not a flight risk per the judge. He's just a he's just a bogey risk on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely probably hitting the links right now as we speak. Hundred percent. But man, I mean, what I find very interesting is that all all of the charges that they're throwing at homie is like all of the same things, but less than what Hillary did, yeah. what Joe Biden has now been outed for doing. So it's man, it's it's crazy to. The times that we live in, like politically right now, feel crazy, more insane than ever before. And ultimately, 100%. I think, you know, we share sometimes our thoughts and feelings around politics because at the end of the day, a lot of policy, you know, ties back into our financial markets, mm-hmm. which ties into people's investment yeah. portfolios. Called legis- legislative risk. Legislative risk, right? Yeah. Which is in your world. Same yep. thing on, Same on our yours. side. Yeah. What the like Fed does. Rates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that impacts, obviously, borrowing power and making yep. deals, you know, pencil and make sense on, on paper. Um, but when you see, you know, certain administrations, like I just saw another crazy you know, $350 million assistance package over to Ukraine. Last week, we talked about another one. Two it's like, billion. It's yeah. like every... So this this type of policy, you know, impacts all of us at the end of the day. But I think w- what is crazy to me is, you know, I know that most that follow know how you feel about Trump. And I think he has fine policy. And I think he could, you know, use a little bit of a refinement on the uh, social side. Because you don't have to... You can... Remember when I said to you, my dad told me one time, you know, stabbing with a a fork or a fork, a knife or a spoon. Yep. I feel like a spoon is more effective than a knife. Because everybody knows you're a killer with a a knife. DeSantis, in my opinion, is more eloquent when he delivers the the jabs. And Mm -hmm. I, I... That was one thing I told you I liked about Obama. 
even though I didn't agree with his, you almost could listen to the guy talking, but all right, well, I'm I like it. Yeah, I can at least find some middle ground. And yeah. that, that, that partisan debate is very important because sometimes time. you're not going to be able, sometimes you have to bend the knee and, and you can't just expect to go through like, I'm going to get a hundred percent of what I want and it's going to be a hundred percent of what I want or nothing. Right. I think that really actually is more bad than good in the, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the short run, you catch a W, but partisanship in politics is important. Yeah. And Trump is so aggressive with his delivery and so polarizing in so many ways, which obviously is tied to his, his polarity is also tied to his popularity. But I also think it's, it it is his brand, but I also think it's been his demise as well. Yeah. Right. Like, cause there's so many people, I'm one of the people where I'm like, I really like his policies. I like what he does for the country. I like a lot of what he says. I hate a ton of how he says it Agreed. and how he delivers it, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, um, you know, right now, more so than ever, what is going on with the administration in politics, you know, it is really creating an interesting time and narrative for, you know, business owners, for investors, obviously citizens as a whole. But when we kind of strip down the opportunities um, or the challenges that are kind of coming as a result of some of these decisions and policies. Um, I think it's going to be a very opportunistic season here over the course of the next few years, unlike anything we've ever seen before. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here today. But I just thought that was interesting. First time in US history, former president will appear in federal court on 37 counts of federal charges, which is just wild. And most likely, I mean... Depends on who you're listening to, but most likely everybody's saying this is just another witch hunt and ultimately it's going to get dropped. I heard... Or he'll beat the charges. Yeah, I heard from... I forget who it was. It's like a not-for-profit, not funded by Democrats, not funded by Republicans, not funded by anything like that. And it's just like a Justice League type deal. Justice League. A Justice Group. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just heard that. A simple... My back, bad. Um, But they gave a like overview of the whole thing and they said there's a ton of stuff in here that's way open-ended doesn't really have a conclusion on it it's going to be hard to make an argument there's a lot of stuff where there's already precedent for where that's not going to hold up in court and a lot of the documents the president pre-approved and recused himself and allowed himself to bring and that's something that a lot of presidents have done including uh, our current president current president george w bush obama everybody so so if one person's wrong, everybody's got to be wrong. And that's just, that's not really going to mesh. So it's, it's really, it's a, it's a targeted, it's more political inter- like uh, election interference than anything. And the scary thing is like people on the far left, just like people on the far right are wrong, but on this, people on the far left are saying, oh, you know, here's another thing he's in court for. Well, yeah, but all the other stuff he was in court for that he got acquitted for minus this thing he had in civil court with this woman, which I still kind of think that's that's a little bit of, that's a little murky on, and the judge is already, I think, approving the reduction in the payment from 5 million to 1 million. Not saying that he was or wasn't guilty, but it's just highly suspicious um, when things come up and a special law is made just for that person. And then she's immediately the first person to file on that law on that day, seconds after midnight. It's just like, anyway... Sorry to digress. I think there's a big target on his back because, to your point, 
I think as well, his policy is very good. And I think some of the things he does for the country are very good. Nobody's perfect. I think some of the stuff he does is also not great. I didn't like the um, uh, Secure Act 2.0. I thought that was crap, but that was something he had to push through. And that was, again, him playing on both sides a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's just a bull in a china shop. And it's funny on the campaign trail, but then when he's actually president and then he's still doing it and then he... It, it, it gets exhaustive because you don't want to stand behind him because it's almost like embarrassing. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what I'm willing to admit as a conservative voter typically is I don't appreciate when somebody acts like that. Because you no don't matter who they are. No. You and no. and how you would go about no. things. But I, at the end of the day, I'm at a point now as an independent where I'm like, I'm so disgusted with yeah. The majority of what I see representing the left, which I know a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of family that are on the left as well are like, I'm disgusted. I don't want this to be a representation of me. And a lot of people on the right feel that same way about Trump. So it's going to be yep. real. This, this next election, 2024, is going to be. Did you see hot Gavin end. Newsom's? Uh, you know, snippet he's in his way. Well, did you see his Hannity uh, interview? A little snippet of it. The what? He did an interview with Fox. With Sean Hannity. No, I didn't. A couple of snippets dropped of it. I don't know if it's fully out or if it's out tonight. It actually might be out tonight, Tuesday. Um, but he straight up said, he's like, I hope DeSantis doesn't run against Trump because Trump will smoke him. Like, he, they, it's weird. And this is something that's known. Gavin Newsom and Donald Trump have a good political relationship, but personally hate each other. Mm. And they both have said that about each other. Both have said each other like working with each other politically. And Gavin Newsom actually even just gave him a tip of the hat saying he was there for California when California needed him and didn't play any politics, just got the job done. If that doesn't also show you how much of a businessman he is when it's time to go down, dude, that's a, that was a tip of the hat by Gavin Newsom, who's very far on the left. Well, I'm sure they hate each other personally. He, sa he said he doesn't like him, but he, he said politically he is somebody he can respect and he gets the job done. Well, I'm here for the fireworks. I think we should do a show at some point that's a little more political. and A we, little more political. I mean, we, we get down in the dirt. We do get down in the dirty run. So what I told you even on when we were in Mexico, I was like, it, even though Trump's not my dude, I'm going to vote for him or whoever the, the Republican. percent Because if I Trump's hate what's on going the right, on the yeah, left. I'll let everybody know right now. If, you're, if you think that I would vote for... I could care less who's on the Democratic ticket. The Democrats got some digging to do. I can handle somebody talking crap. I played sports. I mean, that was part of yeah, my trash talk is oh my gosh, part of life. Part. Yeah, exactly. You just ignore it and move on with your life. It's policy that matters. Yeah. You, you should all learn to vote like I did. Whoever pays you the most. Because politics, politicians are all liars. None of them are going to do 100% of what they say they're going to do. Even the good ones, even the ones we like. So just vote for the side that pays you the most. The right pays the most right now. So that's who I'd vote for. If the if the Democrats started paying the most, I would flip like Trump did right back. You would see a D on me so <laughs> most, fast. I mean, a lot of people vote with their pocketbooks, I've, right? That's or all or their with. values. And that's where a lot of times emotions exactly. get clouded by values. You can't vote with values nowadays because they all lie too much. Right. So you, it's, it's a lot of smoke yeah, and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. At least I've, with the policies, a lot of times they actually do it. It's a good example that I think, though, as they've continued to go after him and go after him and go after him, to me, it shows they are willing to go to 
any lengths possible to ensure that he does not get in again, which is why I said to you, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to get elected. I don't think they, Democrats, you know, elite state, whatever you want to say or call it, they will not allow him to get back in there because they know if he does, that that is the beginning of the end for if he does, Joe Biden will go to prison. Oh, no doubt. You Hillary saw what Clinton he, will go to you prison. You saw what he put out of getting special prosecutors. And, and that would be great for the United States. It really would. Because at the end of the day, I just care about America. Yeah, if we could I don't up, care about Trump. We can clean up on both right. sides. We need the top three on the left. It's like Nancy, Joe Biden, and, and, I, and Hillary Clinton. And we need to clean out people on the far right, too. I mean, I could. Oh, for I don't sure. Any, any BS. And then you know what? Then we can get back to where, hey. This is the 60s, 70s, and 80s where you could be a moderate Democrat and a moderate Republican and just vote on your preferences on policy. And we can all and rock we can together, all rock too. To- Thank yeah. you. It's Thank crazy. You. All right. Well, we <laughs> now officially aside. digress out of that. Let's get to the good stuff. Inflation data hits the lowest in two years. That is a big headline. That is exciting. CPI increased 0.1% in May. Core CPI increased 0.4%. But it came in right online and under expectations, which shows that we are moving in In the the right direction. direction. So with that being said, we've seen a lot of reports coming out today a lot of firms, a lot of research groups, a lot of big econo- economists and influencers that play in the finance world, basically saying, well, we are declaring, we are planting our flag in the camp week that the bear market is officially over and we are moving towards a bull market. Just to read you some updates, uh, uh, Morgan Stanley's... Um, uh, one of their chief economists said, more oh, are declaring that. the bear market oh. is officially over. We respectfully disagree due to our 2023 earnings forecast. Oh. Bank of America said, that's crazy. The bear market is over and it's time to move into a bull market. We saw Ed Yardani. Oh, my boy. I uh, love Yardani Ed. Research. For those of you who want to know where we pull a lot of data to, I have subscribed to Ed's newsletter. Yardani Research is phenomenal. Been around for a long time. Ed Yardani has said that the increase, uh, they just increased the chances of a soft la- uh, economic landing from 60% all the way up to 70%. That's a 10% bump after today's inflation data. So, with that being said, yes. What were your thoughts seeing and hearing the data come out on inflation? How's the market responding? Mm-hmm. And what are we looking at going forward? I um, just want to echo something I said last year, sometime around October. If you took your money out of the market, you're you just an idiot. just want to just echo that. <laughs> <laughs> um, on, Was that your like sixth grade uh, immature? I had, to, I, had to, I had to make sure I put that in front of your everybody face. Everybody who needs to hear that, I hope you hear it. Um, <laughs> second to that. Um, the market's reacting great. Uh, we bottomed out. S and P hit like a twenty eight percent bottoming last October. Um, I started saying last 
September or so, it was looking like we were kind of towards the end of the cycle. Um, December through January, I think I made a call on the S&P at 4,400. I believe that's what I said year end. And I've stuck my flag in as a bull the whole time and you not have? wavered one time. I will say, as I told you earlier, that the banking issue almost threw off the rate forecast because that kind of actually was a... That helped. Which we'll talk about rates here in a second. Yeah. Um, Bull market's here. and Market's looking good. Yeah. And to the people that find value, in my opinion, and my quote-unquote predictions or where I forecast, I believe that we should have... I may be shooting a little low. I'm not going to adjust my forecast. I still think 4,400 is fine. And I'd rather be 4,400 and it ends at 4,500. And we can can laugh all the way to the bank on that. Um, But I still think that there's room to go up in the the market. Things that I'm looking at is one time back, I believe in the 40s, we had about a 24% bounce off the low, which would put us in a technical bull market. Then we had another pullback, but then the market fully recovered through the first quarter of the following year. I'm not necessarily seeing that, but be prepared to hear people talk about that in the uh, mainstream media because that's the only thing I could look back charting wise. Oh, excuse me, that looked uh, it had any sort of relevance. But comparing 1940 to today, there's just like it's it's good to look back, but it's that is for sure not indicative of that. We just didn't even have quantitative easing back then. We didn't have technology stocks like they're there today, so it's just not applicable. But a thing that we can look back to learn from. Um, for our clients, I'm starting to recommend layering on more uh, equities and we can start peeling away towards value and going into uh, more growth-focused uh, assets. I think that uh, you've seen how your portfolio is allocated. We have some large cap tech names, but we have some uh, aerospace defense right yep. now. We have a little bit of healthcare in there right now, but heavy on tech, overweight tech, I would say. Um, on our dividend paying side, we still have so we we layered out of energy exposure, got into more financials, and financials are still lagging pretty hard. Uh, something that I'm wanting to see, I want to see more breadth in the market. I don't want it to be so concentrated to tech. We got a little bit of that today. The Dow really pushed up high uh, today, but I, I really want to see some more breadth, some more sharing in the green. Um, and I think what's going to happen tomorrow is we're going to get a fly. Like the market is going to rip out like you have never believed in And what morning. is happening tomorrow? FOMC. FOMC. So based on the data that came out today, that's going... This was the a lot precursor. Of, and, and we talked about it on last week's episode, kind of the, you know, the, the percentages of are they going to pause? Are they going to hike? Are they going to cut? Right? And obviously, cuts have not even been on 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 the uh, the options no. board. That being said, not till next meeting. It's likely going to be a pause, mm-hmm. almost guaranteed going to be a pause it's after ninety five. Yeah, it jumped up extremely yeah. high after today's inflation data. Um, since the FOMC assessed the cumulative effects of previous rate hikes and the possible impact of tighter lending due to issues in the banking system, we have been seeing a lot of different kind of Fed chairs and leaders come out with their thoughts. um, And basically in determining the extent to which additional policy firming may be appropriate to return inflation to 2% over time, 
the committee is taking into account, obviously, everything that's been going on, mm-hmm. the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation. That's something, right? Going back to what kind of policy is being made and rolled out. And of course, obviously, economic and financial developments. Now, um, who was it that said this? We expect the Fed to maintain the target range for the federal funds rate at five to five and a quarter at the June FOMC meeting. While it assesses monetary policy lags and bank stress, are we still seeing bank stress? I mean, I know um, there's always some level of it's just tight. Yeah, it's I just mean, tight. It's just tight on the lending side. But is right it now. stressed no. or is it just no? All the banks already just did their quarterly stress tests and they all passed. Okay. So, um, no, but it is tighter on lending, just because it's way more expensive. Yeah, and and, and people are. I don't think I think nobody wants to make headline news anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody wants to be an SVB, a Silvergate. So everybody's being really conservative until things start to get less choppy. So it talked about with the debt limit increased and bank stress relatively stable, it may not be getting much better, but it also does not appear to be getting much worse. The Fed's primary concern remains inflation, and it will be reluctant to say definitively that the hiking cycle is over. I agree. That would be a hawkish. That right there is exactly what I think too. It's a, it's a yes, we're pausing, but. It, we expect the Fed, to your point, we expect the Fed to retain upward bias in its projected policy rate path, and we look for the median FOMC member to forecast one additional 25 basis point rate hike by year-end potentially if not moving towards cuts towards the end of the year. So really, we're, we're looking at, based on what data comes out, they're going to obviously pause. They're going to see lagging data start to trickle in. And based on what that data shows, which based on how it's been trending over the last few months, based on all the things that they've been doing over the course of the last six to nine months, it's moving in the direction that they want to. However... They can't get too dovish, right? No. Because if they like do, that. oh my gosh. What could that lead to? <laughs> like the single best day in the stock market ever. <laughs> um like it would just it would cause um it would cause like a melt-up scenario type deal where stocks took off so much. I'm like laughing because I could see like the S&P going up by like 6% in one day. NASDAQ going up by like 10%. Dow going up by 5 or 6%. That's like a nuts yeah. for a broad market to see the move like that. Which they obviously have to keep their cards they close to halt, the chest. They would halt the market probably for the first time on the S&P, NASDAQ, and Dow because it would be moving up so fast. They would have to halt the market so many times. That's what would happen. And then that would cause... That would cause too much. And then you would see a, I'm just giving a fun scenario here. This is not going to happen, but you would see money market funds start to liquidate like at an insane rate. And then that would spike the market back up. Short sellers would get absolutely annihilated, causing short squeezes, throw it, melt up, melt up, melt up. It would be bad. It would be great. (laughs) <laughs> for the short term. It'd be great we'd for be a few lot. people we'd and in the short lot. term, yeah. but it would be bad yeah. in the grand so scheme what, of things. what needs to happen? I don't care what your grandma says or your grandpa says. They're not going to raise interest rates one more time this year. They're going to pause. And if anything, they're going to extend the pause. If they extend the pause, that's going to take cuts off the table though. So they, 
they ha- meaning if they don't cut, they have to pause for a long time. Uh, probably six to eight months, I would say, into early next year and then start cutting. They're going to pause at June. They're going to meet again in July. They're going to pause again. They're going to announce at the next meeting, which I think is in September. I think they skip August. I think it is in September. But I believe at the September, November, and December meetings, they will announce cuts. And I think they're going to do small cuts and just keep them rocking straight out. I don't know if they'll start with a half, and then go to a quarter. But to me, what makes sense right now, based on how I can look forward six months, it's just quarter, 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 quarter. So they can like ease But how, how low do they really want to go? Because oh, they're 2%. They want to cut to 2%. They want to get the Fed funds right back 100%. to 2%. But I don't think they'll do that. They'll cut to two and a half. So like they'll cut down to two and a half next year or through next year. And then they'll finish cutting down in 2025 to 2% and they'll let it ride. Yep. The thing we have to be careful of right now is GDP numbers. They are yeah, skinny. Talk a little bit more about that. They're a little skinny, but... Why? Go- um, earnings forecasts. But that's, that's because they're forecast. And I will point back to the last... How many earnings forecasts have been correct in the past uh, six? One. So they're not they're not doing too hot on earnings forecasts. Mm-hmm. That's why we're getting these massive pops in these stocks. You know, when I'm sending you like, yeah. oh man, and they're only beating earnings per share on the top line by like two cents a share. And I mean sending stocks up eight, nine, ten percent. It's because people are do not understand how strong the consumer is. The consumer, you cannot have a recession with employment at three and a half percent or three point six or four point five or five point five. And you can't have a recession with the consumer this strong. They will offset with earnings to uh, companies. What if, what if the consumer momentum or strength that we've had with so much money being printed over the last few years, what if that steam slowly runs out? But it's not. What if it does? Well, if anything happens, it's bad. It's bad. Right. But, but it's just, it, it's not. Um, People are comfortable spending their cash right now. People are sitting on a lot of cash. It's an investment money market account that's throwing off how we look at money. It makes things look bad that aren't bad. Um, I'm really not seeing it at all. I mean, stores are full. Shelves are being taken off. Uh, excuse me. Uh, items are being taken off store shelves on all sides. People are traveling. People are going on trips. Um, Again, the thing that I'm wanting to see is a more breadth. So sharing in the market, that's going to be a good thing to me. But until the consumer wanes and the uh, employment market absolutely skyrockets, that's almost triple uh, from where it is right now for me to be concerned. Because consumer debt is at an all-time high across that boy, that trillion. If unemployment continues to tick up at some point and people aren't able to service their debt, right? That, that could be a domino effect that I could sure. see that could be a potential threat. That yeah. being said, we don't, we don't see any signs of that right now. No, it's almost like people saying like if people, you know, if, if that, people start losing their jobs and they start defaulting on their loans, well, we could have a lot of people default on their loans and still be okay right now because there's not a lot of people defaulting on their loans. Yeah, right. It's we could have a lot of people go unemployed and still be at pretty historically still low historically unemployment. Low. Yeah. So that, that's where I'm... That's not. We'd be able to see that writing on the wall 
Yeah. Uh, I think a little bit further out and a little bit easier. And right we don't now, have any black swan I mean, events. I think it's even, right. What it, even yeah. with, yeah, you know, even with magnifying glass, you know, on all of these key metrics, there's really no signs of those trends picking up any kind of steam or momentum or, or really even being there at all. Now, Agreed. we are, and we've heard this, you and I have had this conversation We've talked about it on the show. We're hearing more and more people talk about the concern around the dollar. Yeah. yeah. The strength of the dollar. U.S. Treasury Secretary Yellen said, one should expect a slow decline in the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency of the world. J.P. Morgan came out this week and said, some signs of de-dollarization are emerging. This trend is likely to persist, but U.S. dollars should maintain its large footprint for the foreseeable future, who just joined or wanted to join BRICS? There was another, I think, decently sized. Was it Saudi? Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia is already in it. I thought that aren't they the S? Was one I can't remember who it was. There was a new one that caught my attention this week. I forget who it was. But that being said, you said this is actually a little bit of a good thing. So you're not concerned about this. Why is this slow decline of the US dollar? Or why is this, you know, little bit shrinking footprint of the US dollar as the reserve currency for the world a good thing? Well, that is not where I'm coming at it from. I, I, I don't agree with that uh, metric, no matter who says it. It's just not ever going to happen. Um, your your stance is always that yeah. we will never fall off no the, as the reserve currency no. of the world no ever. nobody nobody trusts any financial system more than the U.S. financial system anywhere any serious economy does not trust anybody more than the U.S. Treasury because we always pay our bills even when we we mess around with policy we always pay our bills every time no matter what never miss a payment ever to anybody what if you get enough world superpowers or world economies that are moderately strong or stable that officially decide to link up and it becomes BRICS plus ABCDFG. Like I said, we would just stop selling defense to a lot of those places and then they would get right back to the table. Mm. It's just we have, we are too... We have too many hooks yeah. in too many places. It's it's not possible. Just like if if we... Why don't we just stop trading with China and just trade with Mexico? They can do everything that China does mm -hmm. for as cheap or cheaper when you take out. Because we can't. We're too ingrained in their economy and vice versa. It's, um, it's literally, it's a required sympathy at this point because we've, we've intertwined so much. If we stopped buying from all the factories in China, they would have way too much supply and not enough demand and their economy would crash. But we would have too much demand and not enough supply, so our inflation would take off. Mm -hmm. So it's like we can't, so we can't really survive very much without each other. Yeah. Um, my point to the um, what phrase did we say earlier? The uh, the de-dollarization. The de-dollarization. When a dollar gets cheaper, when the value of the U.S. dollar gets cheaper, it's not as bad as people may make it seem. It actually allows for countries that normally can't afford to trade as much with us or buy as many goods from us, buy more goods because their currency converts into now more U.S. dollars. So now our trade deficit will start going down and down and down and not be in such a negative position because we ha consistently have a negative trade deficit. We consume more than we export. We import more than the export. 
if we have a cheaper US dollar, does it hurt some areas? Yes. But does it help some areas? Just like when we have an expensive US dollar, does it hurt some areas? Yes. But does it help some areas? Yes. So it's a balancing act. The dollars of value goes up and down and up with market cycles, just like anything else. But it's not this, oh, the, the value of the dollar is going down, so it's terrible. People are buying more. Well, look at our trade deficit over the past three months. It's gone down by billions of dollars. That means people are buying more from us and yep. we're spending less overseas. Or we're spending the same, but it's not translating into as many goods because our dollar is worth less. It's really not that bit, that you know nail in the coffin scenario that people are saying. It's just, again, it's another thing that the news likes to say to make themselves sound smart, but they are consistent. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Well, with Inflation calming down in May. Um, quick update on single-family housing market. We are seeing inventory continue to trend a little bit upwards. But again, we are still, as of last week, 53.7% down as compared to the same week in 2019 pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. So historically, the data just continues to show you know, and, and back up that we have so much room to go to be anywhere close to a balanced market with inventory that with the rates where they're at and the demand being somewhat curbed in the way it's been curbed yep. and the supply where it's at, it's going to be really hard to see the single family market see any kind of major crash, let alone we're still, as we talked in last week's episode, not a lot of you know, price reductions in markets around the country that we were expecting there to be drops in values. Yeah. So that's going to be, you know, something to continue to pay attention to because if you think about it, if we're going to just go back and theorize what happens when the Fed drops rates, what do people do? They put their money back into hard assets and stocks. And what is that going to do when you have still very little inventory to go after. Go make the price go up. Right? We got way more 
demand than we do supply. And if you're, you know, betting your bottom dollar on what the market in terms of real estate or values in terms of real estate is going to do when that happens, let's say 2024, I think we might be at the bottom of the housing market right now. We've been somewhat, I feel like, at the bottom of the housing market. That ain't my, that's not my forte. And I believe that my prediction is we're going to see another bull run, which sounds crazy to even think about. But we've been in this somewhat bear market and it still hasn't felt like a real bear market on single family real estate. That being said, I think we might be at the beginning of another run up after, and that's going to be a very interesting challenge for the Fed and just the real estate economy as a whole to to fight and keep under wraps because affordability is still already at an all-time low or at an all-time high. So that's something that I am very curious to see what happens. That being said, Lawrence Yoon, Chief Economist of National Association of Realtors, came out. Uh, as of today, inflation calmed down in May and further deceleration looks likely in the upcoming months. It also marks the first month in two months that wage growth outpaced consumer price inflation, Ah. improving the average standard of living. Mm -hmm. Moreover, low inflation means that the Federal Reserve should stop raising rates indefinitely this year and possibly slash rates towards the year end or early next year. The The yield on the 10-year... I knew you'd like that. 10-year treasury is responding positively with a rate decline to 3.7. That normally means the 30-year mortgage rate is around 55 to 5.7. Of course, we know the mortgage rates have been near 7% recently, but the potential for a decline is real as we progress through the year. So I think this will be... I mean, I know a lot of people in the real estate industry, realtors, mortgage brokers that are, it feels like the Sahara Desert out there to them right now. These Mm. people were clipping money like nobody's business, living high on their horse, thinking that, you know, the money train was never going to end. And Mm -hmm. now, right, six, nine months later, based on what we've seen, um, there's a lot of people that their businesses have been crushed. They're working four or five times as hard to make a fraction of what they were making before. But I think when we see rates start to come down again, we're going to see refis start to happen again. We're going to start to see people get off and originate new loans, off the fence and originate new loans. And we're going to see you know, the, the real estate industry pick back up again. But yeah, I'm a big fan of natural attrition. Yeah. Like, Natural's s- always better sur- if you ask me. Survival of the fittest. And you know, I think if anything, just like you said to me when we were out there, this is the hardest you've had to work in a long time this oh year. Oh my gosh. Right? I have a job. I got reminded. Yeah. Like, and for me, it, when your back is up against the wall and in challenging times, I love, I think real performers, real professionals, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it easier when you're going through the shit, but at the same time, going through the shit is what makes you better. Yeah. And what makes you, what gives you more perspective and makes you more grateful for when things are good. It reminds you of where you're great. It reminds you of where your weaknesses are. Based on what you're trying to accomplish, it shows you where you need to go in and tool up, do work. So 
I'm loving this season that we're in personally. Don't get me wrong. It's been hard. You and I were both yeah, talking about this exactly. in Mexico. Me it's too. been hard. I wish I was here in January. But that being said, I think with the right mindset and approach to this market or to your real estate investments or to your investment portfolio or really anything, when things are hard and challenging, look at these as the greatest growth opportunities that are going to tool you up for a quantum leap and getting to a new level that you haven't been before and will be capable of navigating by coming out the other side of these these challenging times. 100%. So with that being said, I wanted to get your thoughts on one last thing that I saw today, knowing that we love Apple. UBS has downgraded Apple and said it sees weaker demand ahead for iPhones. I don't be- I don't believe it. And I was curious on I don't think so. Cuz they just closed out I think yesterday at an all-time high, did they not? Yeah, I think um right now I'm looking for Apple to be somewhere in the 240 to 290 range. Um I think UBS is too uh, caught up right now with their uh, acquisition of uh Credit Suisse which yep. just closed I believe today as well or yesterday, one yep. of the two. Uh, so no, I don't think that that is the case. I think that it's, um, I was bearish on Apple a little bit in 2018, 2019, and they actually did do a downturn. Um, but since then, um, and minus the little dip in all the market through this last little uh, rolling recession that we're getting out of, um, it's really hard to bet against Apple. They're, they're just so, they have such a loyal consumer, uh, base. It's almost like a cult. Yeah. Oh, um, so, like, I, I would never, ever go over to Google. Oh, I would. And Android. No, ever. I, I wouldn't either. My, par- and it's, my parents use Android. I'm like, why do you do that? But right, it's going back to, like, creating that cult, right? And, go to see and, Tim Apple. He's great. <laughs> um, the only other thing that I've got here today that you and I were going back and forth on was the Westfield Mall, the biggest mall in San Francisco. Oh Gosh. Just gave the keys back Un- to its property to what the it? lenders. They had a $558 million outstanding Amazing. mortgage loan because of the policies that have allowed an Short increase politics. in um, spike in crime, in shoplifting, and ultimately not protecting business owners, not protecting investors. What do those people do? They say, they leave. peace. Yep. I'm going to go somewhere where my money is valued. My money is protected. And my, and my business is valued and protected. Right. And and that, I think, when you got bigger players doing that... It's amazing um, to see. I love it. I do too, because I think it ultimately it creates some real accountability for policymakers and some of these very liberal... Um, I would not... States that are, are very much so... You know, in California's economy, right? I mean, fifth largest in the world. Yeah, and we man, we are like a kid in a candy shop with it. So very interesting to see what, you know, some challenges are in the commercial real estate world. I think we're going to continue to see some of this stuff and there's going to be some great opportunities if you are bold enough to go and invest in some of these blue states. I mean, I I I know a lot of people and a lot of funds and a lot of, you know, groups that will never touch a blue state. Yeah. I'm of the camp that at the end of the day, crazy. I, I started in a blue state yeah, and I found a way to make it in a blue state. You hear what he's saying, folks. And while I am not always down with what the blue states are doing policy-wise, there's always opportunity and he's, money talks. He's down with that cost of living. <laughs> I, right. So 
I just think there's going to be some great opportunities in California that we haven't seen in a long time. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm it's excited for, for it. And you know, it's for experience. I would say California is for experienced investors. No doubt. Deep pockets. No it's doubt. It's not a beginner state. No. Because it's not landlord friendly. No. And you can you can really cut your teeth in some of these red states that are very landlord friendly and give you a lot more latitude to make some mistakes. Mm-hmm. But I can say this, some of my greatest upside captured some of my largest equity gains, some of my best investments I've ever made have been in blue states, and particularly in California. So mm. I think there will be some, some good opportunities for seasoned, smart, and bold investors if you are in the game and looking for some opportunities. So Amen. that being said, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Always. We will have more updates and data on um, next week's episode. As always, don't forget to check out millionermindcast.com. Text in X-Ray, text in deals to 844-447-1555. With that being said, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys on next week's episode. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, Don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really, in most cases, overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's X-Ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.